following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. We have a tremendous brother coming to preach the word of God to us on today. Um, downstairs in the fellowship hall, we'll begin to learn more about the Artisan Church and their ministry, and as well share about Baber and our ministry. Um, he's a tremendous brother that I initially met um, as part of the uh, Northeastern Clergy Council. I'll post that um, through Brother Shane. We've had opportunities to sit down, to dialogue, to talk together, uh, to learn each other, to share our experiences, um, and to share our Christian walk and journey. Um, he uh, is a good brother, has an extremely humble heart, has a solid mind, and we're looking forward to hear what God will say to us through him on this day. And how fitting it is that on this uh, Dr. Martin Luther King weekend that we are able to share together and to hear someone whose heart is committed to those things that Dr. King preached and espoused in his ministry. We look forward to hearing the word of God through the Reverend Scott Austin. Will you pray for this preacher? Will you pray for the preacher? Amen. I, I, I saw uh, Brother Anthony earlier today. Brother Anthony, Sister uh, Reverend Lewis's son. Where where he at? In the back. Where you at? Oh, stand behind the light. That's Amen. Everybody look. Where he he? Amen. In the house, one of our children home. Amen. And he going to hear the preach word of God. That's going to keep him in church every Sunday. Amen. <laughs> Beloved hearts, can you take your right hand and stretch it towards the preacher? And repeat after me. Say, preach, Reverend Austin. Preach. Reverend Austin. preach. preach. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. After a selection from the youth choir of Artisan Church. The new youth choir. The little youth choir. The next voice you will hear be that of the Reverend Scott Austin. Amen.
Amen. Good morning. It is so nice to be with you this morning. Uh, you've been such a welcoming group of people. On behalf of the entire congregation of Artisan Church, let me say thank you. Thank you for inviting us. Uh, yes, thank you. It's good to be with you this morning as we worship God together and honor the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., It was Dr. King who famously said, it is appalling that the most segregated hour of Christian America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, but not this morning. (laughs) Not this morning. We could not be more thrilled to be here with you, and we sincerely hope that this is more than just a gesture or a one-time encounter. We hope that this is the beginning of a wonderful friendship between our two churches. It is friendship that I want to talk about with you this morning. I've been thinking about friendship a lot since something that happened to me on Christmas Day. Christmas Day, my wife and two children and I were driving on the highway in Ohio on the way to visit my family in Indianapolis. And we saw on the side of the road, in the snow a car, and a man changing a flat tire. Can you imagine a flat tire on Christmas Day? So being the dedicated, selfless man of God that I am, do you know what I did? I changed lanes so as not to scare him or splash him with the slush that had built up on the road. I'm not proud, but that's what I did. And as I was driving on past this poor gentleman, I started to think, what if that car had been a silver Volkswagen hatchback with an artisan church sticker on the back window, which I would have recognized as belonging to my friends Dan and Angela? I would have stopped. What kind of friend wouldn't have stopped? And right there, I think, is a key to the way the world works. See, if we are in relationship with one another, everything changes. If it's a stranger on the road with a flat tire, we can drive on by. But if it's a friend, we will stop. If it's a stranger in financial trouble... That's their own problem. But if it's a friend in need of money, we will give what we have. If it's a stranger standing by the ramp to 490 holding a cardboard sign that says homeless need help, we might make sure the window is rolled up all the way. And we might just happen to have something catch our eye on the other side. But if it's a friend holding that sign, we would roll the window down and reach out our hand to help. And by the way, if we thought that he was actually asking for money, for liquor or drugs, we would still find a way to help. So as I drove down that highway on Christmas Day, I started to think, if only we treated everyone the way we treat our friends. If only everyone else treated us the way they treat their friends. 
Imagine what the world would be like. See, it's very easy to limit our friendships to the people we're comfortable with, isn't it? It's easier to be friends with people who are the same age as us, who are the same race or ethnicity as us, who live in the same part of the city, who share our political views. Even though we know it's not right to be friends only with people who are just like us, we know it's what's easy. And so we all miss out because friendship is a two-way street. Just as I might help my friend change a tire, my friend might help me change a tire. But what if the problem is not that we only help our friends? What if the problem is that our definition of friendship is too narrow? What if the problem is not that we withhold help from people who are not our friends, but that we withhold friendship from people who are not easy to be friends with? See, withholding help takes about 10 seconds, and you can look the other way, and it will be over soon. But withholding friendship? That is a lifelong pattern. That requires a major change of mindset to correct about who our friends will be. But how broad should we make that definition of who our friends are? And what does it look like to be a friend to people who we might not even know? In these questions, as in all things, I think we ought to look to Jesus as our model. Jesus knew a thing or two about friendship to the point where he was criticized by the religious insiders for having the wrong friends. They said of him, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And it was Jesus who said, I do not call you servants any longer, but I have called you friends. And no one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So I think if we were to follow Jesus' model of friendship, his definition of how broad friendship ought to be, our lives would be different in a couple of big ways. <coughs> to practice Christian friendship, we would be like Jesus in two specific ways. Well, let's be honest, we'd be like Jesus in a lot more than two ways. But my time is limited, so I chose two. <laughs> I said to Pastor Simmons this morning, you said the sermon's 40 minutes long, right? (laughs) He had to get another cough drop. (laughs) To practice Christian friendship, we would be like Jesus in two ways. We would be empty and we would be present. We would be empty and we would be present. This is what Christian love looks like. If we want to be a friend the way Jesus was a friend, we would first of all be empty. I want to read to you very briefly a passage from Philippians 2. Paul says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. The Greek word there 
tells us that he emptied himself. That's what it means literally. He emptied himself. He emptied himself of glory and honor and power. He gave it all up to become a friend. And not just a friend to the important people, not just a friend to the religious insiders, but a friend to tax collectors and sinners and drunkards and gluttons. So friendly was he with with them that he was accused of being like them. He gave up the throne of heaven and exchanged it for a manger, for the dusty earth, and ultimately for a cross. He emptied himself completely, yet I can't be bothered to help change a tire. That's a failure of Christian friendship. That is not what love looks like. So in order to be a friend the way Jesus was a friend, we have to be empty but we also have to be present. John 1.14, we heard it read earlier. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Another popular translation says, The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Now, I'm an armchair theologian, and I am drawn to this verse because, of course, it's saying something. It's making a grand spiritual statement about who Jesus is and how we understand Him. It's, it's talking about what theologians call the incarnation. God becoming a human being. But it would be a mistake to think of this only as a grand spiritual statement. It would be a mistake to think of it as a metaphor. It would be a mistake to think of it as something that Jesus did that we are not also called to do. Because he literally did move into the neighborhood. He was present with people. He was with them. And you don't have to be the savior of the whole world to follow that example and make a difference. You just have to be willing to get close to people. Including people who you might not get close to by accident as you go about the course of an ordinary day. I don't know about you, I don't really like to be close to people I don't know. Is that okay for me to say as a pastor? I'm a little bit introverted. I don't always feel like I want to make new friends today when I wake up. Sometimes I prefer to stay at home because it is work for me to be with strangers. Jesus, the eternal word, the creator of the universe, came to earth, to our neighborhood, to be present with the people he had made. Yet I can't be bothered to go across town or even across the street to be present with those same people, also the ones that he made. That's a failure of Christian friendship. It is not what love looks like. So to broaden our definition of friendship, we should be like Jesus who was empty and who was present. That's what love looks like. It's empty and it's present. That's one reason why I am so excited for our congregations to share lunch together today. Because we get to practice being present with one another. Just being with each other is a significant spiritual decision. Now, I'm told that the food is going to be delicious. So we may end up failing on that second part. We end up being full at the end of the day. We're supposed to be empty, but let's take it one step at a time. Let's be present with each other and get filled up 
by being present with each other. And then let's empty ourselves to be present with the rest of the world. I began this morning by quoting Dr. King. Not one of the happier things that he had said, but a true thing that he said. And I'd like to conclude with something else that he said. Just a few months before he was assassinated, Dr. King gave a sermon at Atlanta's Ebenezer Baptist Church. And he spoke of how he wanted people to respond to his death whenever it should happen. And what he said is this. If any of you are around when I have to meet my day, I don't want a long funeral. And if you get somebody to deliver the eulogy, tell them not to talk too long. Tell them not to mention that I have a Nobel Peace Prize. That isn't important. Tell them not to mention that I have three or four hundred other awards. That's not important. Tell them not to mention where I went to school. I'd like somebody to mention that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to love somebody. May it be true of all of us. May we be empty and may we be present. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.